there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. He starts showing up to matches with full Stone Island gear. He gets a fade, and he gels his hair like Deserby. And lastly, he gets the new teeth, like Klopp. He then becomes unstoppable and inevitably gets a Chelsea job in the next three years. Kukureas in the Chelsea game. The worst dive in the history of football. Madison, he's just come back from fitness. Is he fit? Or our boy Eze. Oh, man, Madison. I love Eze. Dude. Love him. But if Madison's fit... <laughs> Bournemouth 2, Newcastle nil. Will this loss see the wheels fall off at Newcastle? Is Bernardo Silva the best player in the league? I think he might be. Hello everybody, welcome back to The Ripple Effect with me, your host, with the most, Mm. James Alcott. Um, Welcome back. I hope you're enjoying the ripple effect. I hope you enjoyed the uh, sneaky release last week on uh, Friday. We did set and forget when it came to Chelsea prior to their four-all draw uh, at Man City, which we'll talk about in this podcast. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a set and forget podcast with my guest. He's back for his second appearance. Mm. He's my golf buddy. We may play golf tomorrow. That's the ripple effect of this podcast. Yeah. Um, it's Joe Tomlinson. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hello. Clapping myself. Yeah. Uh, how are you? Yes. Very good, mate. Very good. Happy to be here. Good. Um, what's great about Joe is Joe would just calmly smell a bit of whiff when it comes to some of these <laughs> ripple effect takes and call it out. And so we'll, we'll have a good debate here. But it's a good starting point, this podcast this week, I think. And on the way in, another ripple effect, I had a thought from the Set and Forget podcast or reading the running order and it led to a tweet that I'm going to put and discuss in this podcast uh, despite it not being about the Set and Forget. So, exciting times. Right, let's start with the word of the week. Significant. Oh, I saw this in the top of the document. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the first things. Joe's Joe, maybe not having it. But we'll <laughs> see, we'll see. So, significant is sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention. Noteworthy. For example, a significant increase in sales, which would be great for this podcast. And there's a way that you could help the algorithm, which is by following the podcast on wow. Spotify. That was good. That is professional. Yeah, is that right? That's great. I didn't get to the end of it, but <laughs> too busy celebrating. But yeah, if you would like to follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, that would be great. If you want to watch us exclusively right now and see the necklace that Joe's got outside his jumper. I will tuck it in for you, Jimbo. It's my bad. <sighs> What's cool right now? It's cool to be out, isn't it? I think it's 50-50. I it? think that's a great a great sign of your age is if it's cool for it to be out. I or think it could be out and in, but I'm very rarely allowed. Be you, put it out. I can't put usually put it out. I'll put it out today, I want to bully you. But I'm very rarely usually, usually allowed it out because of mic clashes. Mic clash, of yeah. course. Right, but we're in the uh, beautiful Spotify We're in a podcast mic. Right, so Game Week 12 gave us an unexpected insight into what the rest of the season will hold for a lot of teams whilst also throwing up major questions around teams in which we thought we'd figured out. Game Week 12 has effectively thrown a spanner in the works and could be the week that we remember as the one that either ruined our pre-season predictions or the week that gave us ultimate validation. Wow. Yes. Huge. Game Week 12. Wow. Yeah. Does it feel like Game Week 12? It yeah. feel like more? Yeah, it feels about game week 19, I think. Yeah, it feels a bit more. Uh, but yeah, obviously we've had those international breaks of which we're in one now. So let's talk about the, the game of the, the weekend first. Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4. Here's a ripple for you guys. 
The signing of David Silva in 2010 led to Man City drawing this game. Now, the next thing that it says in my running order is brackets strap in. Hmm. So if you would like to do that, Joe, okay. I will, I'll take the mic. Here we go. So David Silva signed in 2010 from Valencia for 30 million. During his time at the club, he became immortalised for his diminutive yet extremely creative style. But he then left in 2020 and there were questions over who would be the player Man City replaced him with. In that summer, Man City didn't buy a like-for-like player to replace him because they had Phil Foden coming through. Foden, who had only started 12 Premier League matches in three seasons prior to that, then went on to start 17 Premier League matches in the 2020-21 season. But this is where it all ties in. He's still strapped in, everyone. Foden at the time was held up as this mercurial generational player that likely was given assurances that he'd be the guy to keep him at the club. Whilst he's been important for Man City, he's never really become a guaranteed starter. And there, I think there is even a question mark this season with the idea that if De Bruyne had been fit, would Foden be a guaranteed starter? Cole Palmer then sees this and he decides, I'd like to play first team football, please. And so he makes the move to Chelsea. He then takes a penalty to make the game 4-4 hmm. and plays well in the game as well. He does. We we touched on this last week. We did a podcast talking about the future rivalries. Now Messi and Ronaldo is, yeah. is finished, right? And one that came up from Matisse was really good. He had a couple of good ones. He sort of put we didn't put Bellingham with Musiala, but then he did. And I was like, oh, that's good. And then Foden and Cole Palmer as one that could could be one, but obviously because it's Man City and Chelsea, and Cole Palmer's kind of got that way about him. Um, do you think Cole Palmer? Do you think Phil Foden? A couple of things here. Do you think Phil Foden is in a good place in his career? And do you feel like that idea that he is supposed to be the guy and that horrible phrase that I hate in terms of generational player, those tags, mm. do you think those tags will be become a burden on someone like Phil Foden? No, because how many league titles has he won at this stage? I think is it five Premier Leagues he's already won and a treble. Like, I don't think it's ever going to be a total burden for him because he's just fantastic and plays in the best team in the world. Um, I'm sure he would like more game time. Like, at the start of this season, I was kind of of the opinion, you know, he's got to be starting every week. But there's just something about the way Pep utilises players that does seem to get the best out of him. And I think the issue he's got is that, you know, I was going to tweet this the other day and I was really close to doing it. Ooh, but could have been. Here we go. Is Bernardo Silva the best player in the league? I think he might be. I don't it, do you, do you remember good the game? last time he played badly. Oh, I think he's stunning. He plays in about four different positions. He contributes massively in forward areas, but also in defence. His transitional play. Like there were a couple of times against Chelsea where he turned Caicedo inside out. It was outrageous. I, I like obviously Rodri is more important to that Man City side. I understand that. I think Bernardo Silva might be the best player in the league, though. So I think, you know, yeah, when you bring I, that back I, to, when you you bring that to, back to Phil that. Foden, like, when he's up against players like Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, I think it, it is always going to be tough to be a guaranteed first name on the team sheet, but I don't know whether he needs it because he's already got the Premier League titles in his back pocket and he's that good. Well, I mean, he's got, look, he's got 10 starts this year from 12 game weeks. It's not bad, is it? And he's played in every game. So that's okay. good. So he's fine. I think the Bernardo Silva thing is interesting. Who's... Who's up against him? What's interesting now is that football is so uh, profiled yeah. now that 
Well, you'd say Madison this season, wouldn't you? Madison maybe has been the best player in the league this season. But so I, when I think of the best players, I often think, when, who would win out of eleven of those against eleven of another? Bernardo Silva would. Bernardo win Silva wins, yeah, like quite easily. But he's he's struggling at set pieces, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's not amazing. <laughs> like as a centre back, I don't see him being a brilliant no. goalkeeper either. But, but I do think he. Like he never puts a foot wrong, and he is the focal point of Manchester City going forward in transition. Like that and, is, and he's so intelligent, so so, so intelligent. And actually, even the game, the the four four, I thought, and it was interesting. I got obviously, you know, you know, YouTube. You can We're we're talking through our titles for for the sort of match reaction. We're trying to figure out, you know, what's the right way of like framing it in a way that's interesting, and we'll get a couple of clicks. And we kind of went with City lucky. For the game. Mm. and But what I say in the first four minutes of that video, which some people seem to skip past, the contradiction just straight bit. to the, the contradiction bit. It was a contradiction bit, yeah. exactly, which was like, I I would say City were, were, were poor by their standards in that game. And I think a lot of the players um, looked a bit leggy during the game at times, certainly not at their best. I thought, you know, Diaz had a bad game, Carl Walker had a bad game. Rodri hung in there. Um, there was a lot of players that, that didn't play fantastically well. I thought Doku overall got pocketed by Rhys James. Pocketed? Maybe not pocketed. Pocketed. I don't think he had his best game. I think Rhys well, James I, was, came out on top in that battle. I, th- I think there's a ripple effect from that that side of it, by the way. Because I think going into that game, I was like, oh, okay. Rhys you know, James, I've always felt, is the most complete right back mm. probably in world football. Mm. Let me have it. Yeah, I think he's up there. Yeah, you can't get if fit. If he can stay fit, I think Calvonzo Davis pushes him pretty close at Bayern. Going both more explosive, right? But probably not a better, not better technically than Reese James. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. I think he's definitely up there, Reese James. Yeah, but if you ain't fit, you ain't it. So that drops him down. That's a good one. Yeah, the best ability is availability, and I think that with uh, Reese James being able to stop Doku or like the idea with Doku was trying to get to that byline time and again and Reese James was stopping those blocks or yeah. Cole Palmer was making his way over there which helped as well but that for me I thought that was like that will change the narrative a little bit in terms of the conversations when it comes to um, Reese James do you think though I yeah. think everybody already thinks he's quite a good defender and quite good but I think with that forward. Doku is, is seen I think as the most explosive player in terms of one on ones mm. The most difficult winger to mark right now, one on one in the Premier League. Yeah. So, and and Reece James was. I mean, you're never going to be totally comfortable. We did very very well against him. But yeah, so all those players didn't play well. But coming back to the Bernardo Silva thing, Bernardo Silva still sort of in a in a quick moment with a short corner. Now I think Cole Palmer needs to get closer to him. But Bernardo Silva puts in that beautiful cross. He 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 understands that moment. And again with the third goal. That pass that he plays to Haaland, it's an incredible little turn yeah. from Haaland. But Bernardo Silva, that's an outrageous pass to make to him. There's so they've, he've, he's got that ability and that team's got that ability right now to be poor and still find a way and figure it out. And that is something that I'm not sure you can always teach. Yeah, and they've got, it's just partly down to the fact they've got so many stars in there. Like they can just win you games from moments. Like even in the first half, it didn't result in a goal, but there was a moment where Bernardo Silva picked up the ball. There was a couple of little quick interchange of passes between Rodri and it played into Bernardo Silva. And there's this weighted ball into Haaland. His first touch took him across the front of Thiago Silva. And it's a really good save down low to his left by Robert Sanchez. Yeah. The weight and the care on Bernardo Silva's passing and his first touch is 
you know, it's so magnificent that I do think he he might be the best player in the league. And I'm going to throw it out there as well. Getting all your tweets. Does he stand above David Silver in the pantheon of Man City Silvers? <laughs> is he the greatest silver Man City's ever seen? Is it? It's a, is he the golden getting, silver? Is that what you're saying? He's getting up there alongside David. Like I understand because of the twenty-four you know, carat silver, the, the, the context around David Silver in that he came in earlier in the project and built through managers and was part of that sort of growth of Man City. That's why he stands in the pantheon of Man City greats. <laughs> but but Bernardo Silva right now, like treble winner, yeah. multiple league title yeah. winner, I. There's as conversations well, like, to be had there. Flirt, you know, generally flirts with the move away every season as well, which He's I think gonna is quite good. Again, though, make, it? It'll make you like, you know, when you're well, when you're going well, okay, I'll leave. Yeah. Then. You go, oh no, don't leave. Yeah, which kind of makes you probably. He's part of the reason Cole Palmer left, though. I think he must look yeah. at a player like Bernardo Silva and think, well, he can play in four different roles here. And if I'm still like, how do I get in front of Bernardo and Kevin and Phil and Mateus Nunes? And Doku right. came in as well, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if that was going to happen. I can't remember if that happened before or after. I don't know, Kai, if you can tell me if Doku signed after him or not. But either way, Cole Palmer, I like I like young players that are itching to, to, to go and develop and to mm. go and play games. I think it's really important. And the ones that sort of sit still, I think for Foden, it's understandable what he's done and it's not, you know... He's not got that wrong, like obviously not. But I think to go and be, go and be the guy. And this comes to the tweet actually. So I asked this on Twitter because of the uh, of something that we're going to talk about in the second podcast this week. So again, bloody subscribe or you or follow whatever it is. Which players in the Premier League are getting all the spotlight, but are in fact only looking good because of another player? We've got a Beltran Tiarate. Name names. I asked. So here's here's a few for you. Sven Botman, when Fabian Schaar is the best centre-back at Newcastle. So he's mm. saying that. So one person put forward this, and I think I had this in mind as a, like, right now one. Cole Palmer looking so good because of how well Conor Gallagher is playing. Is that something you would agree with, Joe? Um, What's the truth about Cole Palmer? Uh, is I... he just looking really good because he's got the spotlight on him and he's in a team where his profile shines through, whereas at Man City he was just another one mm. with the same profile? I think he shines through because he is just an excellent player. Like, he, he's so good technically. I don't know whether it's because of Conor Gallagher. I think Conor Gallagher is fantastic. And I tweeted as much at the weekend that when I watch Chelsea, I think he's the he's their outstanding midfielder. Despite the fact they've spent £230 million on two other midfielders. Like, I, I understand, you know, I got the quote tweet, didn't I? From your expert. <laughs> nearly got ratioed. Saying, yeah, yeah nearly got ratioed. ratioed. Nearly got ratioed. Didn't. So didn't. They're very Just different profiles of midfielder. I understand they're very different profiles of midfielder. But for me, as a viewer, in terms of enjoyment, sure. I think Conor Gallagher flies under the radar of how fun it is to watch him. He gets around the pitch, involved in tackles. His passing's very, very underrated. His energy sets the tempo for Chelsea's entire side. So I think, yeah... Maybe to a level, I'd agree with that tweet, but I don't know whether he's directly correlating with Cole, with Cole Palmer's uh, sort of burst onto the scene. I just think that he is that good and is better than a lot of other Chelsea signings, which I think helps. Like Chelsea have had so many crap signings mm. over the last 12 months that when one bangs, everybody's like, oh, look at this guy, he's unreal. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it had to happen eventually. I think a couple of things. First of all, and someone else says this, uh, Pabble says... Cole Palmer, he is getting all the credit for scoring pens and when he's actually just average. No, but his in, interplay and build-up play and link play, first touch is exceptional. So I think 
I think the feeling of I think he's awesome. And I think he needed to get in that team. We did a video on it a month and a half ago saying, you've got to get this guy in the team because he's happier to play in those half spaces. And what, what is a big, big problem a lot of the time is that people watch games of football and they think they're all going to be the same. And they allow the merit of one to be used for, for others. So by that, what I mean is, a game against Man City or a game against Arsenal is a much more, um, it's a very different experience for, for this young Chelsea team where you have a lot of exciting, talented players. You've got players with pace and you have space because you have two teams that will actually go at each other. But in a lot of games and the games where Chelsea fall down time and again is breaking down the team who's playing a low block. They have not been capable of doing that. And the, I think the reason why Cole Palmer shines both in those games, but also the others, is that he's one of the few that at Man City has been playing against teams playing in a low block for years. So when Chelsea are playing against those teams, he looks good and he has 100 touches because, uh, you know, he's the guy that will find those spaces and go to those spaces more fluently than some of these other guys. But then in this game against Man City, obviously the bigger spotlight uh, and also there's a bit more space to create things as well. So, I think the bottom line for me is that he's good in both. But mm. I do think the spotlight on him is it's more clearly on him because there's not anyone else to put that spotlight on. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. I, I kind of agree. Who do you think gets dropped when Nkunku comes back? Such a good question. I So, so I so said they this. just drop Jackson and they just play Nkunku through the middle? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, very possibly. I think... So Jackson was... Um, Odd in that game. I thought there was moments of great movement, moments of frustrating movement. He's quite static. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. And I think, well, I think at times it was to be, because he's got a bit of everything. Like he has the pace to, to run in behind, but he's also got the uh, size and strength to be a target man and allow Sterling to get in behind as well. Mm. So in terms of occupying two centre forwards, he needs to stay central, but he needs to kind of push them back at times to create that space that allowed Cole Palmer and Gallagher to do well. I would suggest, and people won't like this, my feeling with Conor Gallagher, same kind of thing, is he's brilliant in a game like that, where it's two teams going at each other. And I think the way I would describe Gallagher is that... I think so you drop Gallagher? I think he's a force in a game like that, when you've got to get at the opposition. But I, I don't think, as of yet, and if you think about the role he's playing here, right? This is the same role that he's kind of played at Palace, where he was almost like a pressing forward. Yeah. play football manager. He was always like pressing forward, but then he sort of dropped back into midfield because he's got that energy. And there was about three or four times where he sort of, on defensive transition, he sort of nips back and, and wins the ball from behind players. Mm. And that's a, that's a great skill to have that actually, bizarrely, a lot of players don't seem to have, right? But a lot of people are calling for him to be in the midfield three. And I, I like him. I like his personality. But I, I think in the games against the low blocks, you've got to play Cole Palmer in the middle. I would play a midfield three where Cole Palmer is is that attacking centre midfielder because you're going to have the ball. You've got Caicedo who has the ability to get about the pitch and be that defensive anchor, see the play, get get on the ball, all those things. And you need to have players higher up the pitch. So for me, it would be one where actually it, it'd be one where you might need a bit more guile in that area. And it could be one where do you play in Kunko? Sterling, Palmer and Jackson. Yeah, I think that could definitely work against some of the lower block teams. But people won't like that because I get what your, I get yeah. what your tweet was about because your tweet was about that 
Conor Gallagher is all action. Yeah. So in a game like that, he's great and he's great for the crowd. He's important. I think that's. Un- I think it's unlikely to happen though. That I think there's a reason that you know he's been captain multiple times this season for Chelsea. Like I yeah. think that Pochettino sees him as one of the few leaders that squad has because it's a very young squad, very inexperienced. Uh, I'd drop Jackson. I would drop Jackson. Okay. I would play in Kunku through the middle, which is not his ideal position, obviously, but short of finding another striking option on the market, which I'm sure they're going to do, like they're going to dip into the market and try to sign a number nine, aren't they? I think that the, the midfield balance is working. Like, I think that's probably Chelsea's strongest facet right now. I think against Manchester City, they against dominate. good teams. I think they dominated the midfield against against um, against City. Yeah, but I also they overloaded think, them. I think. I also think to a level against low block sides, they're very dominant. Like I think their struggle is creating converting chances. Like I think that pressure is not necessarily an issue for them. And I think without Connor in the side, they do lose quite a lot of dynamism in the midfield. Like Enzo is not the fastest guy getting around the pitch. No. You're asking Caicedo to cover it awful lot of ground um, so yeah I don't know I would probably swap him but I can totally see your argument I could I, I could also imagine that happening against some of the smaller sides when they just want to just batter him stick cold central maybe Nkunku goes on the left Sterling off the right Jackson through the middle and just wave after wave of attack drop Enzo um, unlikely again isn't it because they feel like he is like your expert said, the only player, or not the only player, but the best player by quite some distance in that first phase of picking the ball up off the centre-backs and distributing. I Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what... I think that one ripple effect from Conor Gallagher's form will be that he people will be like, why aren't you playing him in this, in the England midfield? Um, but for England... He's they, in the squad, though. Yep. And, and look, I think he's, he's in with a shout. Oh, I think he has to be in the squad, right? So like, I think I did my squad a little while ago and I was like, you know, the time for Henderson to go is now. Because yeah. do you know what you see? You see this a lot, right? And um, we were talking about it before we came in here. Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer reminds me of, do you remember when Trent and Rashford would do interviews? And they were like 19, 20 and they just, they didn't know that they were who they were yet. Like he's not. In my opinion, he's not he's not Cole sure Palmer. of who he is right yet. Cole Palmer yeah. right now. I feel like you see that in those interviews. And, and you know, these guys are children. <laughs> like It takes a minute, yeah. right? This, so, but whereas Rashford now, when you see Rashford in an interview now, he knows who he is. Or Trent, you, he knows who he is. Conor Gallagher, I think he's probably got a bit more personality than those guys prior to that. And I think when you see him on the pitch and you see him in interviews, I think he knows who he is now. So I'm not saying he's not a wonderful player. I just think... It's got to suit certain games, mm. and I think for England, he's going. Southgate's going to want two to sit-ish there, and it's him or Phillips, right? And he might go with him, but I, Southgate's generally. I think there's a chance he does go with him. Yeah, for sure. But would he do a better job when his starting point needs to be a bit deeper? That's what I'm intrigued to see, and I'm not sure it totally works. The Cole Palmer goal is the end for one club men. Okay. It doesn't happen often anymore, but there's still a few potential one club players knocking about, such as Trent, Rashford and Saka. When a player breaks through into the first team, they usually get integrated softly into the first team. But when they're bought from another team, they often get propelled into the limelight. It's kind of what we've been talking about. Cole Palmer, for example, he's the same player he was at Man City, but now that he has a £42 million price tag on his head, he's perceived as a player ready for the first team. For, for first team football every week. With this in mind, 
players could be a lot more reluctant to feed off scraps when looking to get integrated into the first team and jump ship once a Premier League club comes calling. Some examples of this could happen too. Tommy Doyle, they say obviously these uh, both at Man City. Uh, he's currently on loan at Wolves. James McAtee is on loan at Sheffield United. He's had a few loan spells. Uh, Ethan Nwaniri, I think that's how you say it, is at Arsenal. Kobe uh, Mainu, we'll probably come back to him. Because mm. in the second podcast, we're going to talk about Man United. And the other thing I do want to talk about in the second podcast, we'll talk about the set and forget for Man United is the the price tag of a player and when do you let that go? Mm. Well, Pep was very brave midweek, wasn't he? Like, it, Man City is such a fantastic selling club. And I think when Pep said, you know, what, there was that debate, well, why did Cole Palmer leave? And he said, well, I sat down with Cole and I said, look, Riyad Mahrez is leaving opportunity is going to be there for you um but I, but Cole said no I want to leave for game time Pep said well okay bye then and they said oh what what are your thoughts about selling to rival clubs and he 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 replied and he said uh only small clubs would be worried about selling to rival clubs oh wow which I thought was really good I thought that was just like such a punchy statement like okay like and Man City have nailed it man like their sales have been absolutely superb yes they might have closed the gap in a small way or in a big way in Arsenal's case you know Zinchenko and Jesus definitely helped that but the other sales have just been magnificent and do I sit there and think that Pep is concerned that Cole Palmer could blow up and become a superstar not really like I saw on talks what they were saying oh he should have had a hundred million euro buyback clause in his con. no they're not bothered. Yeah, they're not. They're not bothered because they back themselves that much that even if Paul, Cole Palmer was to become a superstar, they would have a superstar that was as good as Cole Palmer. And that's. I mean, I guess that's kind of a model that can be thrown at Chelsea at times. But you know, it's not like they've not had success. Um, I do. Yeah, it is interesting. Again, that that I like that itchiness to to go and play. Balogun is another one I think is interesting for for him not to still be at Arsenal. It's probably kind of hurt them them a little bit. Do you think? Do you honestly think? I think, well, we'll see. Do you think he would have played? I think the thing is that at different times, it's very difficult to get a whole squad, like, you know, ripening at the same time. I think that was a good sale. I mean, I think it was good money, for sure. Mm. But could they have done with another striker right now? Yeah, I think they probably could. I think that... But they're doing fine. Yeah, they're doing they're doing very well. And I also think that would he have contributed as much as Leo, Leo Trossard has playing through the middle? No. I'd, I, I, he's like, only played a couple of games, Trossard. I know, but he's scored seven goals, isn't he, also, I think? Has he got seven goals? I think he scored seven goals in all comps. Don't quote me on that, okay. though, because that right. could be a fake statistic. Uh, okay, all right. If that's incorrect, Kai, can you check that, please? And we'll cut that from the Thank uh, you. edit. If I'm pretty sure he scored seven goals in all comps. One thing I did think from this, from the Cole Palmer cell as well, is like Arsenal have gone and got a couple of City players and really, you know, one certainly, and, and it's boosting them. Arsenal, a couple of City players boosting them. Is that going to really hold back a team like Man United? Because they can't... Sign City players. Can't sign City players. <laughs> no. Would they? That's Should not they? a reason that United are being held back, man. Uh I think look, they are they are ha- they have actually recently signed City players. You know how many goals he scored? Six goals. Six, Six damn. Goals. Um you know, they have actually <laughs> recently they've recently signed to a level City players. They took both of Darren Fletcher's sons out of the Academy at Manchester City. Um I think of Man City um, not United. squad players though. No, but United are never going to do that, are they? But that's what I'm saying. You know, if you think Arsenal but you, before you... last season to bring in Zinchenko, to bring in Gabriel Jesus, no. definitely helped them. Definitely lifted yeah, of course, them up. But do you think Liverpool are being weakened because they don't sign City players? I think they City would, would take never, them, though. City would never sell to Liverpool, I don't think. 
Do you not think? Nah, because they're already at that elevated point. Like I think they were more willing to sell to Arsenal because Arsenal were perceived as being slightly outside the pack. And they were backing themselves enough, City, that Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko, even though they would elevate them, they wouldn't elevate them, you know, more than 15 got points. Got pretty close, though. Got pretty close. <laughs> he got pretty, got pretty close. But I think with Liverpool, there is still that concern of that forward, like they are still breathing. Down you just said you just said it's a small, you know. I haven't said that. Pep, Pep said that. Yeah, so but yeah. Pep said that. So surely they yeah. would sell someone. Then. Yeah, I just don't like. I At don't some point, you got to not happening. cut your nose off. I get I that. Don't, don't see. I would be so surprised if a, live, a City player went to City. Uh, Other yes. than maybe like a Calvin Phillips, like, like if it was a. Well, yeah, I guess it was linked. But is it? You know, it's definitely. I wouldn't Sterling, be surprised by a youngster. Who, who are the two best players for Chelsea? This, yeah. Yeah, probably Sterling, Sterling and Palmer. Mm, yeah. So, they, but they're not those... are they? Chelsea are tenth. I know, but it doesn't change the fact that well, they're currently tenth, but they could soon be sixth because of Gareth Southgate. He could be the reason. <laughs> but like City are not asked Ripple about City are not asked about Chelsea competing. Are they? Like... What do you mean? Of course they are. They're not, man. What you're going to go? Not. You're not going to give you. It's one must beware hubris, Joe. And one, it's slightly dangerous to give people. The opportunity to to sort of to level up, and, and Jesus and Zinchenko have certainly helped with that. I agree, but Arsenal are already trying to look for a replacement for Gabriel Jesus, and they signed Jurian Timber six months or a year after signing Zinchenko to play that position. Like I think if if City looked at Chelsea last season and went, okay, do we do they want Sterling for fifty mil? I think that's an amazing sale. That's a fantastic sale. I think it's much easier to say once Arsenal bottled the league last year. If they'd won the league last year, Man City would have got hammered but they, for it. But they didn't. But but um, what all I'm saying is all I'm saying is for say like a Newcastle or mm. any of those other t- or Aston Villa, like or Douglas Luiz, like go and go and get those Man City guys. Like there's nothing yeah, wrong that, with that I, from I, their I, point I, of view. I, right? I totally agree. But and from City's perspective, I just don't. Like the Sterling sale was immense, great sale, like perfect. Ferran Torres, amazing sale. Like I think Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus were pretty good sales, not to that level because obviously Arsenal were able to close the gap as much. Do I think in five years' time they'll be looking at Cole Palmer and going, "Ooh, that was a bad sale." That's probably the most likely, right, because of his age. Like Gabriel Jesus, not as young as Gabriel Jesus, Sterling. Um, and uh, Zinchenko, none of them were of the age profile that Palmer was when he left. So I think they'd be much more concerned about that happening in the future than you know Sterling, who was he was never going to win Chelsea the league last year. I think we're talking it from different angles here. Like I, f- my point is, is that if you are a team that would like to play Champions League football, and and you have a squad, it's yeah. not an eleven side oh, game anymore. City you know, players, it's, it's a 20, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. There's like there's so much. None of those players seem to be failing when you. They're go expensive though. But they, but they come off. Like none of them failed. None of them were poor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gareth Southgate could be the reason Chelsea finished in the top six. Sterling has now been omitted from the last five England squads. He wasn't available for two of those. Uh, but now Sterling looks like he has a point to prove whenever he plays. This could have really ignited Sterling this season. And he could be the player that guides all the young, talented players at Chelsea in the right direction. Do you think he's got the fire because of that England situation? No. No, he's just he's having a good season. He's just having a great season. He's just a fantastic player who had one down year. Like, he's been a fantastic player, like a Premier League great for nearly like a decade now, right? Like, one bad season does not make a bad player. I just think that City, again, were aware of 
the level that w- might drop slightly. And a City level drops slightly. Also, it's like, huge, you, but it's still a bonus for Chelsea. The other thing we didn't touch on when it comes to Man City in terms of being smart is FFP. Like you ha- Selling's good. It's amazing. Ali Maxwell said it on this podcast. Selling is good. The youngsters they've sold, the likes of Trafford for 20 mil. Burnley, yeah. it's like it's amazing. Burnley fans are not sure about it. They've all. got, um, they've done such good business, and I know, like, we could talk about potential mistakes in the future, but I think I do still think Sterling sale was very good, and I just think he's an amazing player, having a bit of a remontada now. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 do you know what I was thinking? Sterling is, is Sterling pound for pound the strongest player in the Premier League? Well, because like, muscular, I was, like, I was just like, like on the ball. Yeah, so. like there was a, I, there was a moment in the game with someone, like, it might have been Rodri or something, just bounced off him. Adama's still here, man. <laughs> yeah, dumb, yeah. Adama well, is still here. No, it's still, you know, Sterling is misleadingly. You know, like you've got that one mate who's like kind of kind of skinny. Yeah. Somehow he's just like he's like hurts. He's got like mm. sharp bones. Like, I think Sterling's just like so strong. Oh god, I love him. I, I really wish he wasn't yeah. at Chelsea. It's heartbreaking. Uh, but should he be in the England squad? Based on form, yeah. Based on form, definitely. But Southgate is clearly going for a different style of winger. That's why he's promoted the likes of Cole Palmer to the side. Cole Palmer, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden could play out there as well. Like, I think he wants that type of player, the more technically adept that can play inside a little bit as well. Like, I know that Rashford's in. Is Rashford still in the squad? I think he is, isn't he? Um, I think I think Gareth's moving towards like a bit more of a technical forward-thinking winger, like. I don't know whether that blockbuster pace and the sort of 1v1 is what he's after right now. Do you know what I think sometimes? I think he gives, sometimes he gives you like the benefit of the doubt and he'll take the heat, especially during like mid-season. I think he's aware now we're at a stage where whenever it's an international break, people are going to go, Southgate, you know, are you in? Are you at? Like it's Mm. because we've got nothing else to talk about. And so sometimes like the Henderson thing, I wonder if he was like, I... First of all, I think the, the squad's got a life cycle and he's going to stick with it to, to the end when it comes to Henderson, which I think is a mistake or whatever. But it, I also think he was like, he could have popped him out of the squad because, well, you're not, you're not playing in this country right now. But he wanted to sort of play him to get it out the way, to get the conversation out the way a little bit. And I wonder with, with Rashford, again, is he thinking, or on Sterling, is he thinking a couple of like um, international breaks ahead. He knows what he's going to get from Sterling. That's deep. Yeah, that's what. I, that's the reason he's not picking Sterling. Is he knows exactly what he's going to get. It's better to see what Cole Palmer can give you yeah. in this window than you know. Sterling's been the same player for like a decade. Like he's super direct, great in one v ones, really good. In and terms I think of getting he's got box. that in him where it's like, you know, you can be a bit mean to him, and I think he'll take that like, and he'll mm. use it as fuel. Like some players aren't like that. And I just wonder, like, say with Rashford, you kind of go, well, we've given, look, I'm trying to give you a chance here and you've been all right for England. So despite the bad form, I'm going to stick with you for now because you did well in the last one. I mean, Stuart Pearce always said that, like, you're, that whatever cap you're getting, that's you're playing for your next two. And yeah. I think there's something in that. And Rashford's looked good in England performances. He has. He looks he has. better for England than he does United Definitely. as well, which helps. Definitely, because he's in a better team. But the, I think when it gets to, when it gets back round, he's got one hell of a decision to make. And I wouldn't be surprised if he brought him back in. No, I mean, and it's one either. of those ones where everyone else goes, oh, finally. And he, he goes, well, yeah, that was yeah. in my mind all along. Or he's just kind of, he's keeping everyone, you know, chomping at the bit a little bit. Do you think Sterling will be in the squad for 2024? Yes. Do you think Cole Palmer will be in the no. squad? No. No. Do you not? No. Do you think he'll call off? No, I think he'll probably st- remain very, very strong. But I think Sterling will have a better season. And 
I just feel like Cole Palmer is more one for the future. Like, I think World Cup 2026, definitely Cole Palmer. Okay. I think Cole Palmer would have to go a long way to get in the get in the Euro 2024 squad. Has he got a better chance because he's playing on the right a lot? Cole Palmer. But Sterling can do that. But well, different, different players. Yeah, and also, like, players. you look at Saka and I'm thinking... Yeah, Saka Foden. It's hard, man. Yeah. Stacked. Might have to do another squad selector. Anyway, Wolves versus Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Here's a ripple for you. Gary you O'Neill doing a great job. Wherever he goes, he's not getting the recognition he deserves. It means one thing, which I'll tell you at the end. Gary O'Neill now has home wins against both Tottenham and Manchester City and has his Wolves side in 12th place, much to the contrary of my predictions at the start of the season. Same. But, but we didn't know about Gary O'Neill. I had them in the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah, but we did. It was before Gary O'Neill, so you can't put that mm. on. Uh, and that's without even having an out-and-out striker. Last season, he also took Bournemouth to an impressive 15th place finish, and they seemed doomed at the beginning of the season. But with the style of football and his image, which is a bit harsh from producer Kai here, I don't want to take you know, ownership of this one, he likely won't ever get the recognition he deserves, unless... Uh, the ripple of him not getting the recognition he deserves will be that he does a complete image revamp. Come on. So the ripple effect of the current lack of... <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Is that he starts showing up to matches with full Stone Island gear. Other badges are available. Like Pep, he gets a fade. Skin fade, of course. Joe, massive, mm. massive fan of that. Nonsense. And he gels his hair like Deserby. And lastly, he gets the new teeth, like Klopp. He then becomes unstoppable and inevitably gets a Chelsea job in the next three years. Nonsense. No, not having it? No, not at all. <laughs> Just like, he's proved like me and most football fans more wrong than any manager I can remember in ages Gary O'Neill consistently like yeah just totally like the thing was about the Bournemouth side that he got into 15th like the underlying numbers were bad bad yeah bad whereas Wolves like they look good and the underlying numbers are good and they've always looked all right mate they sold so many players in the summer they sold over 100 million pounds worth of players and lost others Big players on freeze, like you know, leaders in the dressing room, like Joao Moutinho, and midfield decimated. Midfield decimated. Much. I mean, on the weekend, like I was listening to a Tottenham podcast coming in on the way in from the Athletic, and they were saying, you know, ah, oh, Ange only had one of his signings outfield play at the weekend, like one of thirteen players play, and I thought, how many of Gary O'Neill's signings played? I think maybe one. Outfielder? Did he make a signing? I don't think Two. they really... That was part think, of the problem, wasn't it? That's something why we all predicted them to be low. But because like, you still had a couple of weeks of the transfer window and you're thinking, well, these guys aren't going to strengthen. That is magnificent coaching. Like, they have totally changed style as well, for one. They have been by far the unluckiest team in the league. Yeah. Should have had a penalty against United, uh, the Onana one. They had the handball against Luton that was never a handball. Sheffield United pen. The Sheffield United pen. Soft. The Newcastle pen. I think the actual Sheffield United pen now has been independently checked and all five of the independent checkers said that it shouldn't have been a penalty. Yeah. Sorry, Gary. Another apology apology for Gary. Like, (laughs) <laughs> they are so direct. I think I read a statistic the other day that in terms of successful take-ons, only Bayern Munich in Europe's top five leagues have managed more. They've got so many players that can beat you 1v1, mm-hmm. whether it's Cunha in forward areas, Lamina in the midfield. Neto. Neto. Like, they're so direct and counter-attacking. They go from their box to your box, three passes and you're in trouble. They had a striker that could score a goal. They would be in seriously top areas man like yeah. they, they'd probably be a top half team scoring late goals as well actually lots you know, of them too yeah 
Uh, yeah, oh, he's done Super Bowl. Like it's he's got Huang scoring, man. <laughs> he's got Huang scoring. I always liked Huang. Yeah. Always liked him. I remember watching him. He came on as a substitute in the Champions League game for Leipzig, and I thought, ooh. I like one. No right foot though. Like the one that bobbled to him at the weekend, like on that right foot, I just thought, slap it. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> oh so awkward. Uh, the injuries and suspensions of Spurs will see them regress to what was expected from them. Could, could <laughs> so could these injuries. Mm. So I did, uh, I did an episode of the narrative yesterday with three Spurs fans. And I asked them about this next period for Tottenham. Very difficult games coming up. Newcastle, Villa, Man City, West Ham on the horizon as well. And obviously a lot of players out. Uh, Romero will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, Villa's a tough one, isn't it? With no Basuma. Not nice. No Basuma either? Oh, is he? Wow. Okay. So against Wolves, Spurs had to change three of their usual back four, with Pedro Porro being the only one. No Madison also meant a huge lack of creativity. That, I think, is, is bigger than people have kind of touched on so far. Interestingly, Spurs scored early on, which won a hell of a goal, by the way. It was, uh, yeah, it was I, nice. I sort of I caught back caught up with it later on because I had to go to QPR. But I watched the first 10, 15 minutes and I was like, "Oh well, no, like, I good. see it. Well done, Tottenham." Yeah, yeah. So they scored early on and sat back to try and defend their lead. It's understandable. Does it show that Ange lacks confidence in all the players outside his preferred eleven? And does this mean that these players become aware they're not his cup of Australian tea? And that means their confidence in subsequent performances affects Spurs for the next few game weeks. So. This little period here, this yeah. is my biggest question mark is, and I asked the Spurs fans and they were like, not, they were very uh, sort of moral and patient about it. But I know better. We've been around this space for too long, Joe. Do you think, how, do you think the patience can run up to January 31st if he plays the way that he plays? Which I, So by the way, just have a record, I say in that video as well, I think he has to stick with the way he plays. Yeah, has to, definitely. has to, has to, has to. <laughs> And he will. There will be some. There could be some like horrible growing pains from that, and they could they get slapped up a little bit, and they could be tenth by the time he gets to January thirty first, having taken like three points because no, they're just going. Not, but what, the thing is though, like you, the way a team can kind of crumble a little bit when you start not getting the results, and what that could lead to the fan base. Now they made a great point. Ben Bowman, who's an up and coming guy, uh, Tottenham fan, he's got a TikTok channel. He's, he's going to be a star. He's really, really good. Really interesting to hear him talk. He was talking about how that connection with the fans and the manager, it's like transparent and that's a huge thing here. Do you think it's transparent enough for them to lose six on the spin? They're not going to lose six on the spin, man. That's no? just not going to happen. Like I think there are still very, very talented players in this Tottenham team. Like I understand Van der Ven, his injury is you know a disaster for the line. I think, for the depth of that line, like against Wolves, they were noticeably deeper. And I think Ange was not happy with that after the game. You know, he was talking about lack of aggression in and out of possession. And I think that came down to the line at the back. Like, they were they were bad, man. They were bad against Wolves. Like, outside of the first 15 minutes, I don't remember them offering anything in the yeah. game, which is was quite surprising. Like, I thought that it would affect them bit surprised it affected them that much. But a um, yeah. doggy, when he comes inside into that central area, you've lost that as well. Both your centre-backs. The issue Tottenham have got is that like the injuries are quite long-term. Like It's not like they're back in two weeks. Van der Ven and Madison both out for an extended period. But I think they'll be fine. Like They're going to drop points, stick with the Ange philosophy, yeah. and just ride out the storm. The, like Maybe you have to play a little bit deeper. 
You can't play that exact way you wanted to play, Ange. And I'm sure he will adapt a little bit. But ride out the storm, man. Like, it, it would be ridiculous to get panicky. I think that there's a problem there with the midfield, though, as well. Because I like Hoiberg. I really do. But, like, he's not Madison, obviously. And I think if you... I would like to see them play be even braver and play uh, a more attacking midfielder in there who becomes the Madison for now. And because what that does is that alleviates pressure sometimes. Well, he'll play so, Benton Kerr when he's back fit, though, won't he? Yeah, I guess you're going to get a slightly different run. I think maybe not Hill, but maybe Lo Celso needs to, like, he needs to take the keys a little bit. Yeah, because I, I think he won't get a better opportunity than that. But yeah. it'd be interesting to even give him that opportunity. No, I know you mean. One another thing of the narrative was great was that they were saying, "I was saying, look, if you can make one signing in January, like where do you go? What do you do?" And they were saying centre backs. Definitely. They're saying with the centre backs, there's a dangerous thing here where if you go too big with a centre back, then pressure on those two. Do they start? Do they not? Do they start? Well, mm. yeah, you'll have three that you're kind of sort of dealing with for now. And is it the time to go and do it? So definitely, you... man. Definitely go yeah. and get the yeah. What are we talking about here? They've got nobody <laughs> in terms of depth at all. You're always going to need three great centre-backs. Yeah, they don't have three great centre-backs. For sure. Yeah. Uh, go and get the centre-back through the door. Like Wolves like Wolves make it difficult for big teams as well. Like I don't think we should just look at this result and be like, oh, look how bad Tottenham is. Wolves are really, really yeah. hard to play against. You know, There's a reason they've taken points off of Newcastle, Man City, now Tottenham. I think... They take a point off Aston Villa as well. Like they are difficult to play against in transition. They're so good in counter-attacking areas. I just think stick with the Ange way, uh, even if you you are like dying on the hill a little bit. Okay. And Villa next week is yes. Yeah, is anyone going to spend loads in January? It's a problem. Yeah, someone will, man. Chelsea yeah. will. I've got a month of content. Chelsea will, and Newcastle will sign. Chelsea going to spend more money. I think. Crystal Palace, 2-3. Uh, um, ripple effect there was that my uh, transfer of Anderson in was um, wasted. I thought that might be a clean sheet. Not to be. Everton, Risk that Everton with Everton's solid. away form, man. Mate, Everton are solid. He's Producer Kai is gassed right now. You bought in you bought in Anderson against the second best away side in the league. Like, I think Everton have taken or maybe a third most points away from home of any side in the league. Mate, we saw... Do you, I wondered if it was um, slight fantasy fallacy that the you know the home form or the underlying metrics with those early games for Everton but I like him yeah, I man. like him do you know what I think there's been a bit of a shift up behind the scenes I was there was an interview with Kevin Felwell who's I think their director of football and he was like you know our XG differential this season is like sliding in the right way and I was thinking to myself it's Everton but you know what? you use those stats when you need them yeah, you do, but yeah. they are. They are. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think by XG differential, they're, they're about the eighth best in the league, Like, which is Super surprising, man. Yeah. And transition looks great. They've got Calvert-Lewin back fit. I think Garner has really improved the midfield as well. Decore's having his one purple patch that he has a season where he just looks unplayable. DCL fit as well. So mm. important. So, Idrissa Garner Gay, scoring against Palace will change everything for Everton. I can, I can hear Kai being so excited as I read this. He's Kai an Everton fan. Isn't he? he is. Yeah. Lewis, who's our, our guy here at Spotify as well, is also a massive Everton fan. I've been saying week after week, I went, you're fine. You're fine. It's okay. Look good. He's just like, are you sure? Are you sure? We did the, uh, we did the sort of we did the, the, um, handshake and then carried on shaking and holding it because it was such a great moment. 
And uh, commiserations to our editor, Finn, who's also listening right now. He's a Palace fan, uh, which I'd like to talk about Palace briefly as well, actually. Uh, so Gay scored in the 86th minute for Everton to win the match late on, but there's so much more to it than this. Firstly, Gay scoring is big for Everton as to what it means for the other players in the squad. It's fair to say that Everton have depended on individuals to score them goals over the last two seasons, and they've suffered from it. But Gay scoring could give that extra boost of confidence to others within the squad and prove their own self-confidence. Well done, Jack. <laughs> The goal also comes from after a lovely move. I would um, I would suggest having a look at the goals again because it is a really, really nice move. Everton, which where they uh, work the ball really well through the thirds, incisive passing. Just uh, again, I think, getting the ball in half spaces as well. bit like the starting point for the last goal <coughs> for the penalty uh, for the Chelsea-Everton. Uh, Chelsea-Everton, Chelsea-Man City game. And this has been something Everton have been trying this season. And now that it's clicked, it could be the spark that sees them get a lot more credit for the football they play. Which is not that bad, Kai says in capital letters. Do you know what I think is a, the best thing that ever happened to Everton? Go on. The, the, the Liverpool game. Because they were, the first 25 minutes of that game, they were, they were good. I can't even remember it. They were good, they were effective. And that could have been very different. And it could have put, obviously, you know, everyone does their analysis on every team, right? But it allows Everton to go under radar a little bit longer, I think. But as a game, it's like they, you know, they had ten men for like sixty minutes of it, so they weren't able to do what they wanted to do. It was the one where Ashley Young got sent off. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But prior to that, I thought they they looked like they had a threat, and I was like, ooh. And so I think that's they they are going under the radar, Everton a little bit. Yeah. Although they, it could have been very different. So Abiriaz's yellow card for diving could go two ways. What did you think? It's not a dive. Are you got, why is he diving? And he mm. shouldn't have dived in either. I think it's not a dive but I'm not totally convinced of the penalty either. So if we apply the the James Alcott get up rule, mm. I think you could you could say get up, but what I would also say it was definitely like wholeheartedly on studs on his foot. Yeah. So I I understand why he went down. I think it's a, I think it is a penalty. Yeah. I think Brantford is pulling out. I don't like I, first of all don't go to ground in that position. But Eze was on fire all day. Palace, you know, they've missed him so much. Him and Elise, um, and it's great to see those two back on the pitch finally. Yeah, yeah. But don't go to ground. But I just think Branthwaite, he, I think he's, I think he's pulled out. I think Eze it almost initiates the contact there. I think I, when I watched the battle, I thought penalty straight away. Yeah, so oh, definitely. Right, but then with the slow mos, I, I think it's the, the, the way he dealt with it, Eze. Because you see in his interview after, he's utterly fuming. Yeah, yeah. Because you're essentially like Hodgson said, you're calling him a cheat. Rightly so, man. It definitely wasn't a dive. Yeah, it wasn't a bookable offence, was it? Not like Kukureyas in the Chelsea game, the worst dive in the history of football. Kukurea. Which one, sorry? against Man City, ninety-third minute. The worst dive in the history of football, and okay. the listeners will know what I'm talking about. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> Eze, right? So, okay, just to finish this off. Um, Eze's dive. I'm doing the quote marks if you're watching exclusively on Spotify. That could have equally been given as a penalty. Would slash could have sparked absolute outrage if it happened to a bigger club. But since it won't get the attention of a, a big club, Eze could potentially now be labelled as a diver when he generally isn't. Nah. The flip side of this is that Palace are awarded a soft penalty in one of their next matches. The next three are against Luton, West Ham and Bournemouth. Why I brought Anderson in to my FPL team. Um... But then it's Liverpool and Man City after that. And, and, do you know what? Big loss for Palace because Palace were... I remember a chat to Finn last week. And I was like, he was, mm. doing the, he was doing the face. Where he was like... Ah! He was thinking something's happening here. Mm. Um, but not to be. 
Quick question. Mm. You've got one pick on the plane, one seat. Madison, he's just come back from fitness. Is he fit? Or our boy Eze? Oh, man, Madison. I love Eze. They're... Love him. But if Madison's fit, <laughs> Madison was Mad- Madison prior to last week was the best player in the league this season. You've got, tw- you got 20 minutes left, World Cup final. You need a goal. Are you bringing on Eze or Madison? Madison. I think Eze is much closer to Madison than people will give him credit for because he's playing for Crystal Palace. Are you with me, Palace fans? I think he's an amazing player, but I, Madison at the moment, man, is like injured. Bournemouth two, <laughs> Newcastle nil. Will this loss see the wheels fall off at Newcastle? Usually a one-off loss like this from a team who are generally doing brilliantly wouldn't uh, um, upset the apple cart too much. But with Trippier confronting fans after the game and it getting a bit ugly. Is there more to this? Newcastle, just constant heckling from Jag. Come on. Come on. Uh, Newcastle will without several key players in the game. And they several? A, yeah, they played a child in midfield. They could have 200. They, they, they played they the mascot. No in, players. They played the mascot in midfield. Yeah. Uh, does this mean a January splurge is now crucial? So first things first, is this what we thought was going to happen to Newcastle in terms of the injuries? 13 injuries. I know. You've got to get... You know, Bruno you've got G. to get so... Luck- this will get forgotten about. And it does. Every single year, people look at the table and go, well, you, you deserve to be where you end up. Injuries matter, man. Massively. And it's not talked 13. about enough. I don't want to just go back to Manchester United, but it's not talked about enough. 10 for Man United. But um, for Newcastle, Bruno G came off last night for Brazil as well in the fifth minute, which would concern me. Obviously, he didn't play at the weekend as well because he was suspended. Right. But um, injuries, just killing them. Trippier was 100% right when he went over to the fans. Yeah. 100% right. And do you know what? I think the, the fan that was actually involved in the altercation wrote on the Newcastle message board afterwards saying, that it was me, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have said that. Love that. Uh, I took full responsibility, That's so amazing. fair play to him for like doing that. that. And Trippier was spot on. You know, have you seen how many injuries they've got? It's ridiculous. And this idea of the wheels falling off, they lost three of the first four games of the season. And then they beat Sheffield United 8-0, beat Man City to knock out the Carabao Cup, and then beat PSG 4-1. Like, calmer, patience, yeah, yeah. calmer. Tranquilly. Uh, Tonali, Murphy, Byrne, Anderson, Botman, Barnes, Wilson, Hall, Gramerez, Almiron, Isaac, Mankio. And Target. There. No one's uh, talking about that. Groin hip pelvic injury. Should be back soon, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tonali's not an injury, is it? So No. Well, depends how you want to look at True. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, totally. It's I mean, very hard luck on them. Like, just yeah. falling away. And falling I think away. I think Newcastle fans will be absolutely fine with a sixth place finish this season. And some deep runs in the cup. I don't think they have an expectation of getting into the Champions League as a lock every season. They are surely going to be happy with battling it out and being a side that look like they give everything on the pitch every single minute, which is exactly what they do. They they were underwhelming against Bournemouth. It's probably one of the worst performances I've seen from this Eddie Howe side in about a year. Like 10 shots on target they conceded. Which is an awful but, lot. But they went Bournemouth. for it as well. I mean, the game state's important with that. They were literally playing like Trippier back on his own. Yeah, a little bit. But like Nick Pope, even early doors, was making quite a lot of saves. He made it unbelievable. One unbelievable <laughs> save. Know, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, the tip over do the you, bar. Do you think Trippier... I love this about Trippier. Like, I think he's... Again, another one. You know, kind of we'll talk about with the Cole Palmer thing. He's a, he's a man. Do you know, <laughs> what? know what I mean? Not to name drop here, but I interviewed yeah, Trippier last week. week. Yeah, yeah. And he is... 
the most delightful human. Okay. He is so engaging, funny, like walked straight over to us and was like, oh, hey, I'm Kieran, blah, blah, blah. Introduced himself to the whole crew. You can 100% see why he is like a, the leader of the dressing room. And I think the example of going over to the fans at the end, whilst not perfectly handled, was exactly what he should have done. I yeah. think people were like, oh, look, at this shows the wheels. I think that shows the opposite. I think it shows that the players are connected to the fans, that he's willing to go over there, speak to him directly and say, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But again, I think if you know yourself... This is a thing that gets overlooked, and I, I do want to. I want to chat to a, a, a psychologist about this because I think it gets totally forgotten that between the ages of twenty, how old are you, Joe? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. So between the ages of twenty and thirty, don't get me started about your thirties. Like you think you might have figured something yeah. out, but you haven't. Twenty to thirty, you are literally a child at twenty. You still are. Like you know, if you're twenty and listening to this right now, you you'll but you'll get there. You'll understand. That like you are not who you think you are. Mm. There's such formative years in terms of your 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 mind. So I think that having someone like him be able to go and do that is he's I think he's really, really strong. He's a monster. Yeah. He's one of the best signings in Premier League history. He's a, such a great example of of how your mind can still make you an elite footballer. Because what he does, we did a video on the channel a couple of weeks ago. The point that we wanted to make was that it's about physically he's, you know, he's competent, right? But that's not what he's about. He does things quicker than everyone else. Yeah. And that is still, there's still a place for that in football, which is great. But I, I wonder if it will lead to, because we've seen lots more of like, the, you know, the arms up, come on, let's connect with the fans thing, which I'm, I'm all for, right? I get it. But I think having a line and going, oh no, you're being unfair there. Yeah. I think I, I was impressed by it. It'd be interesting to see so was I. if that happens more as the weeks progress. I don't, th- I don't think so, because I think Newcastle fans... Not uh, Newcastle, I think broadly. Oh, right. Okay, Those yeah. leaders kind of... You Confronting know, fans. Going, You're, yeah, You've got to be yeah. careful. I think it works for Newcastle fans where there is such a deep connection between the players and, and the are going fans. Well overall, and it's, yeah. You can see they are gelled. When you go to St. James Park, they are gelled. It's like going to Anfield. I think if it's a player that's doing that... A team that's not as gelled with the fan base, and there's a slight, even a slight disconnect, he can come across totally different. You know, yeah, if, Bruno, totally. if Bruno went into that to Manchester United fans, yeah, I think true. it would be a credit in the bank. Very, so much very, credit in the bank here. It would be painted well. very, you're very right, differently. You're right, you're right. It's a good point. Last couple. Uh, Bournemouth picking up another win this season makes it inevitable all newly promoted sides go down. I don't think inevitable, but mm. I think Bournemouth look like they're a rapidly improving picture. Two wins in the last three. I think Solanke looks on form again uh, they've got players to come back as well like we still haven't seen Tyler Adams play for Bournemouth I think that's a big returning player for them I I, I think the bottom three are in serious trouble man like I don't <sighs> you know so four points five points six points the bottom three Burnley uh, rock yeah. bottom Sheffield United and Luton we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago but like there's every year there's on average eight sackings and uh, so although we feel like maybe this year because of that sort of distance mm. and also maybe with Man City dropping a few points and everyone being a bit closer down that end as well. And I guess, you know, throughout the league, there could be less sackings overall. Could there be a zero sacking season this year? So no sackings at all. I think I, I don't think company happen. feels I, yeah. that is pretty ugly right now. Yeah. And I think at some point, a bit like QPR, they made the change. Like we're getting cut adrift here. Yeah. Would, would they be brave enough to do that? I don't know. I think like Sheffield United have been a little bit better recently, got a draw against Brighton. Deserby's on a bit of a bad run at the moment. Oh, he is, but he's I well, mean he's a little bit volatile. He's got he, like, two wins in ten. It looks bad on paper, doesn't it? But when you 
Again, like not enough being made of the injuries. There's just so many injury problems in that Brighton side, in the defensive unit in particular. There's been so much chopping and change. I think they played Igor at left back on the weekend. They've had, I think this might have been the sixth left back they've used this season. I think they've got a lot of injury problems playing Europe for the first time in the club's history. And they was rotating anyway, wasn't it? And are probably going to qualify from that group after back-to-back wins against Ajax. I think just needs a little bit of perspective at Brighton because they are still only eighth. They could have gone above United and Newcastle at the weekend if they'd have just beaten Sheffield United and they had about 400 chances to do so. Okay, last thing, which will lead us on beautifully if for some reason you're stupidly watching this in a week's time and you're thinking, what's the next podcast? The next podcast is going to be all about Man United. So we'll briefly touch on it here. So, Hoyland, Rashford and Garnacho all missing good chances this week and not scoring in this game will become the biggest Man United regret this season. Another big one. Number we won. Big... We did win one now. How's it a regret? Rashford, one goal. Garnacho zero goals. Yeah. Hoyland, zero goals. They're all hugely struggling for goals in the Premier League. Hoyland's got a few in the Champions Top scorer in the Champions League. Is he here? All, t- all from about a yard out, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but they Other than that pres- Galatasaray one where he ran from the halfway line. Good point. They were presented with excellent opportunities to score against Luton. Man United missed a total of four big chances in the game, which could have gone a very long way in adding some much-needed confidence in front of goal. So who needs to score the most out of those guys? Is it Hoyland? Well, he's pulled his hamstring, isn't he? Has so, he? Yeah. Okay. I think he's probably... Well, hopefully it's just a strain. Like We know Ericsson's going to be out until maybe New Year with that knee injury. And then I think obviously Hoyland came off, didn't he? I think 60, 70 minutes with that ham- holding his hamstring. Ho- really hoping it's just a strain. Um, but I suppose, in my opinion, it's Rashford. Like Hoyland, yes... It's not going in in the Premier League, but chances are being generated. You can see the movements there. He's the top scorer in the Champions League. Um, Goals are coming for Hoyland. Like when he was at Atalanta, I think he scored one in his first 11 and then it was 10 in 10. Like I think when he scores, he's going to score a real run. Whereas Rashford, his confidence just seems so, so low. So I would actually probably say Rashford of those three. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk about all of these guys. I do want to talk about Rashford's relationship with the fans because I think it's interesting when it comes to Man United we're going to do that in the second podcast which we're going to record uh, in a second but you guys will be able to enjoy it later in the week if you don't want to miss that make sure you follow the podcast Joe thank you so much mate no worries See killing it on Saturday social just you know rubbing shoulders with the likes of Kieran Trippier taking those long train journeys as well so he's putting the work in wow yeah yeah shout out LNER not useless yeah train service okay Right, uh, we're, yeah, we're going to be doing our set and forget podcast very, very soon. So as I say, follow us, go follow Joe, um, make sure you try and ratio all his tweets. And uh, just thank you very much for continuing to support the podcast. Got loads of amazing guests on the horizon as well. So keep it locked on the Ripple Effect.